0: Hey guys, this is Hard Time Strongman and today we're talking radio communications, specifically civilian communications in MCOM and TACOM. MCOM being emergency communication and TACOM being tactical communication. References for today. We are basing this off of our experience. We're going to try to apply what we learned and how we operated in the military and tailor that to civilian
1: prepared individuals. The whole reason we're doing this, yeah. The whole reason we're doing this is because we were approached by uh, Civil Sentinel, and he was wanting to do a, a few posts on, MCOM and TACOM, and wanted our perspective on this as we dealt with it in the military and how that could be transferred to the civilian context. So that's why we're here today, and that's what we're going to push out to you guys.
0: Yep, his handle will be in the description. Check him out. He's putting out excellent, excellent information, Mm -hmm. and every little bit helps, guys. We're all pushing to the same goal to make everyone better and to, you know, raise the standard. So So let's roll into this. Yeah. So why, why radio communication in my mind, radio communication is like nods or thermals night vision or thermal imaging. It's a superpower. You're it's allowing you to, to broaden your, your communication from face to face or line of sight to, you know, the near infinite of, you know, functional communication. You have guys who are utilizing ham radio in their garage and they're able to communicate to someone on a different continent. So if you're thinking of this in the, you know, in the confines of emergency communication or tactical communication, this is, it's incredible. You know, it is such a force multiplier and it can allow you can bridge the gap in, it makes everything possible from, you know, emergency, you know, fire response, emergency medical response to, uh, you know, to establishing, you know, base of fire movement,
1: calling in fire, QRF, everything. Doing recon patrols. Yeah, it, exactly. And you, you you still may be thinking, well, why do I care about this? Well, think about this. So what happens? Because this happened before. This has happened many times. Think nine eleven. 11 think uh, several other times when the cell phone grid has gone down and you can't get in to talk to people what are you going to do well as I like to call them normies they're just going to sit there and cry in a corner and you know hug themselves but the rest of us who maybe are sitting on a, a man pack a bail thing or a ham radio we can still talk to each other we can still communicate with emergency services we can still communicate with anyone outside of our home with relative ease so that's why that's well, the majority of why. I mean, it's
0: incredibly important. So, not even tactically, but think about emergency communications. So, past the winter, okay? The freeze. Oh. Snow again <laughs> in Texas. All right. Personally, my power is knocked out for 4 days in 3 degree weather. So, I was going out every day to collect and chop firewood. I was going out to my neighbors in, you know, in my little cul-de-sac to check on my elderly neighbors. But if my whole neighborhood had, you know, a pack of Beyo things set up. Had radio communications set up. You wouldn't have to, you know, go out. You could mitigate risk, in you know, checking mm-hmm. on your people. And mm-hmm. I mean, just in Florida, you just went through a hurricane. Oh yeah. Where you know, say if your power got knocked out, or you know, cell towers went down, or whatever, and you were, you know, in a you were in a bind you'd be able to kick on a radio and check in with the national weather service check in on local emergency you know personnel you know get an idea you know more situational awareness on what's going on if you need to call for help you call for help yep you know all these things are available to us just in the background absolutely so it's kind of foolish not to it, i mean it is really foolish not to have that capability when it's so easy right now let's kind of dig into our experience with you know with the military. So this of course was in you know mainly focusing on the tacom and the tactical uh sphere of communication. But you were the RTO. How was how was our communication set up? Just on <laughs> just at the at the platoon level what you what you were working with.
1: So at at the platoon level it was uh fairly simple. There was only a handful of people who actually had radios. Uh, normally, you would roll with your squad net, your platoon net, your QRF or fires. What do you mean by net? Maybe the JTAC. If if we had air as assets, we maybe had a JTAC net. So okay. that that was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Explain what you meant by net. Like when you say net. So what do you mean? When when I say net, I mean it's it's a frequency. It's just a frequency that we 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 operated on, much like the civilian radios now. Um, we we just declared that as a net. It's it's much easier to say a net than it is a frequency. You know, in, in the military you try to get things out as quick and concise as possible. So mm-hmm. saying net as opposed to frequency, everybody knows what you're talking about and you get the point across real quick. So
0: the so the idea behind establishing different nets is we all use the same radios, pretty much. We all had access to mm-hmm. these frequencies. But if you're working with, you know, larger organizations, you can say, Okay, this squad uses this net. Or the Splatoon uses this net. So you know that if you click over to this channel that you've pre-programmed into your radio, you will hear this platoon. So you can have a platoon net. You can have a headquarters net if you need to relay, if you have a casualty. As the situation develops, putting out sit reps or salute reports. You could have a QRF net in case you need help. You could have, you know, medevac. Like you said, fires. You know, everyone has access to that. So you're compartmentalizing all these different spheres and it makes that kind of that spiral web of communication, but it clears up the net from having, you know, one just giant frequency
1: that everyone's on and you aren't able to communicate. Right. And that, that also comes down to, you know, something I told you earlier in pre-production, which was the more people that you have in your organization, the less people need to be talking on. The net. Awesome. So if you have 200 people in your company or 200 people in your group, how many of those people do you want on the radio at one time? Well, your leaders, that, that's about it. Your leaders, maybe your, um, your weapon squad. And that's That's, how we, and that's how we ran it.
0: So you had, you know, in your squads, only the squad leader had a radio. Mm -hmm. Everything else you were relying on verbal hand signs, whatever, but only the squad leader needed the radio, you know. Like you said, it keeps it
1: keeps numbers down, keeps everything more concise. Which that 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 actually kind of chased me a little bit. Is why you guys only stopped with squad leaders having it, because in my mind, I would I would limit it to. I would also include uh, team leaders in that, just because you know they have to move as well. They have to relay information and. You're not going to send a runner out to your squad leader so that he can relay it up. So I would, exactly. in, in my opinion, in my structure, uh, I know when I rolled with 1st Platoon, when I rolled with Headquarters, when I rolled with 2nd, I didn't really roll with you guys too much. Uh, when I w- rolled with those guys, uh, I do believe their team leaders had radios. Mm-hmm. So kind of blows my mind that you guys to... in 3rd Platoon didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: I would have loved to have like, you know, you saw, we never used them, but you saw the little, um, the little soldier radios. Right, Yeah. The little low-powered, I would have loved to have Mm -hmm. one of those. I probably wouldn't have ran around with an an Embitter or anything. But, you know, I would love to have that extra capability because that would make things so much easier. And that's something we can talk about in a future episode on, like, like an R&D kind of, like, establishing RSOPs for, like, you know, like, if we were to set up teams and squads, like, what we would make that look like. Right. But, yeah. yeah, I think that would definitely be – I think I think that's definitely the way to go. Um, yeah. And you touched on But, of on course, earlier. talking about that is not this time. What's up? <laughs> not this time. No, um, I was just saying what we talked about in, in the pre-show, but how we – you had everything run in the military. So you had your handheld radios, you know, squad leader mm-hmm. and up. Um, your RTOs had man packs, so larger radios. Kind of bridge the gap between handhelds and – vehicle-borne or, like, HQ-borne radios, and then you had the, you know, your vehicle radios that had a
1: stupid amount of power. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's a difference, too, because as an RTO, with my manpack, it was the same radio that was in the vehicles, but it had less power because I was dealing with the battery that was attached to it, whereas the vehicle-borne radios were attached to the actual uh, vehicle's battery, right, and had all of their um, that infrastructure within the vehicle to be able to push a signal out a lot farther, so it had more power, it could reach further. So, as an RTO, I was just bridging the gap between the emitters or the handheld radios that we had uh, with the squad level and the vehicle porn radios, because most of the time, as an RTO, I was rolling with the CO or I was rolling with uh, our recon element, and I would, as personally, I would establish at a high point. While others were down in, like, say, a valley, if they were operating down there, I would go to a high point and establish, like, near the, the peak of a of a, uh, a mountain and relay information as it came in. Right. Because a lot of times when people were talking on handhelds, they could not hear it back in operations. Mm-hmm. So it would relay through me, and I would relay to operations. So that that's the big difference between the radios that we were using. So we had the handhelds, the emitters, the band packs, which were the Harris radios, and the vehicle-borne radios, which were also the Harris radios, but they had a crap ton more power. Yeah, when, uh, you
0: think of, when you think of military communications, you have to keep in mind that the military has an insane, insane network. An insane oh yeah. infrastructure that it can rely on, you know, nigh-infinite resources. So mm-hmm. everything is interconnected, you know. The squad leader is connected to the platoon sergeant who's connected to the RTO is connected to the headquarters element who's connected to fires, QRF, an an entirely different element on the other side of, you know, the continent doesn't matter. You know, every is such a spider web of communication. And uh, you have to think that when you're thinking of this in the military context, yes, makes sense. Perfect. Of course. Of course, they need to be able to do that. When you think of it in a civilian context you don't have the infrastructure that the military has you don't have the resources the military has so you need to you know take your pros and cons and you have to apply you you can apply these these concepts to your situation what you can do so you know what could a handheld look like you know i love that people are getting more into uh more into well, I'm trying to say encryption, but not everyone's mm-hmm. gonna have that capability right off the bat. Yeah. You know, I love that people are you know, getting into man packs. And I think that's a great resource and a great capability. So maybe establish that in your squad. You know, but you need so, to figure out who needs a radio. You need to figure out how many radios you're going to use if you need a man pack, how do you use you know your vehicles or you know, potentially you know, your homes or other outposts to that end and how you
1: can establish that. Not everyone's going to have the same radio. Right. And also one of the the, the really cool things that I'm seeing people doing is making use of repeaters and making use of homemade repeaters. Awesome. So people are taking, like, man packs with solar power chargers in duffel bags or in, like, uh, tough boxes with radio antennas, dropping them off and setting them up at the top, the top of, like, huge hills or mountains and using those as repeaters. I've seen a guy hook up two bao fangs
0: together and he made a repeater. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's crazy what people can do. And I love that when people get fired up about, about communication, that they're innovative, you
1: know, they can innovate
0: when, you know, the military a lot of the time cannot because of all the red tape. But yeah, you know, I love where we're going with this, but sorry, just to kind of refocus us. So, uh, (laughs) Pros and cons with our experience uh, in the military. So common issues that we had that we experienced working oh, in the God. army with radios. So something called zeroizing your your radio. So Rayo, you program all of your frequencies, all your channels, all your nets, good to go. Um, if you did not change the battery on your handheld radio in a very specific way, you would lose oh, yeah. all those frequencies they'd be gone and that's a safety that's that's a safety consideration that's a security consideration when they mm -hmm. developed the radio but if you're in the middle of a field problem in the middle of a field exercise and you zero rise your squad leaders radio you're in a he's not in a pretty rough way he's not gonna be happy yeah so that you know your RTO (laughs) is gonna have to come over he's gonna have to key load all those frequencies again and that's you know time that you're wasting but the issue that I had with that is that it happens so often.
1: Oh, it, yeah. It happened. Yeah. If you're, if you're not time. careful,
0: it's so easy to do. Well, it happened every time so we went easy. out. Every single time we went out, someone would zeroize the radio when they weren't supposed to. So zeroizing the radio with the power change, battery life was atrocious. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. I was talking to you. We, the way that we ran our squad, we literally had everybody, like every team member, was carry more batteries. Yeah. Depending on how long we were out. You know, yeah. in, in my mind, there's no reason why you should have to have like five, ten batteries for one radio. That's kind of crazy to me. But it you know, it was necessary at the time. It made sense. Of course you're going to do it if you need to do it, but that was a that was a huge drawback in my mind.
1: Well that's 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 the con definitely for the military radios. Whereas in the civilian context, you have these bail things or, you know, what have you, with these extended batteries where, I mean, you saw mine. I charged that thing the first day I got it, and I didn't touch it again for, what, three months? Yeah. And I turned it back on, and holy crap, it still had full charge
0: for three yeah. months.
1: Mm-hmm. Even if I – and I used it a few times, actually, now that I think back on it. But even if I was using it every day, it would last a lot longer than one battery would for well, the military and – and that's the thing, though, is because the military radios also draw a lot more power, mm-hmm. but they still have the same capability, to a point that these balefangs do. Like, granted, you know, in some contexts, the military radios have way more capability, way more reach than the balefangs will without help. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the main drawback. And
0: just as an aside, guys, we're going to be referencing balefangs one because that's what we're currently using until we, you know, can mm-hmm. upgrade to better radios. Two because it is such an affordable and widespread option that a lot of people are starting in ham radio with bagel fangs. So we're trying to draw people in trying to use the context and application that people will understand. Um, yeah. But another thing along with battery life is in, you know, civilian world with radios, you can solar charge your radios, your batteries. Yeah. I mean, so you could potentially, you know have you know strap a solar panel onto your ruck constantly having a battery charging if you need it and change that out every night and yep. with the you know with the Baofeng uv5r doesn't matter how many times you you know change your battery you're never going to zeroize the radio unless if you reset it manually so yeah that's, that's a that's a pretty that's cool the thing. big
1: thing too those bail things with these civilian radios you have to you have to try to zeroize these things and even then it's a multi-step process Mm-hmm. With those, with those military radios, you can just pull the battery and it's done. Yeah, like literally, you you, you uncouple that battery and it's it's zeroed, it's done, it's gone. You, you need a dagger to. And once way. again,
0: that's a security thing, but mm-hmm. you know, your mileage may vary, and not just in the <laughs> not just in the uh, military context, but civilian context do Common user errors, uh, what I oh, call yeah. audio clipping, uh, it's just not keying your radio. So yeah, you know, to properly use your radio, you key, your push to talk, you wait a little bit, you start talking, you finish what you're saying, and then you release the the push to talk. You release the key. A lot of guys, they'll just start talking, click it, click it when they're halfway through trying to say what they're trying to say. And you get half the message. So that's not properly just, utilizing that's the just radio. Being lazy. Yeah. Hot miking. It's another thing. So, uh, uh. After your transmission is over, keeping your, keeping your key mic yeah, and then you're saying what you don't want to say on the radio, you're taking up the net, no one else can talk during that time, Um, just not, just, you know, failed radio etiquette, right, Uh, dead push-to-talks all the time, you know, squad leader, RTO vehicle would go talk, they hit their push-to-talk, nothing would happen, so not taking care of your equipment, and then we touched on that earlier. Not bringing enough batteries. If, if you don't have power, you can't talk. So.
1: Uh, and this is why my pack was always like seventy plus pounds. Goodness. I had to bring enough batteries for me. I had to bring extra batteries for other dudes. It was not a fun experience. No, I mean it was fun. Just you know, not for the context of hey, I'm going to go out with a ninety plus pound pack. Yeah, just not the screw best. that noise. <laughs> yeah, not not what you want to be doing. No. So. That that was tacom. That brings us into, uh, mcom. So emergency communication. In in the military, we never really had to use this. There was never a situation where you know we de- had to deal with the tornado, wildfire, uh, hurricane, tsunami, flooding. Uh, but we were also big radioactive army. dust storm, whatever. But yeah, we were also big army. You know, we had our 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 network was massive. Our logistics were massive. It, it didn't take. But much. also that uh,
0: we. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying that wasn't our context, all, right?
1: So national. Right. Car. Exactly. Exactly. But there was never a time when we had to use, uh, MCOM to help ourselves either. So there was even still, we still had the same nets that we did before before. And those would, you know, you would get, get on the horn and talk to, uh, fire. You could talk to, you know, EMS or doc. You could talk to, um, oh, Jesus, you could, you could talk to uh CID if you really wanted to, nobody really wanted to, but you know, you could, uh, Rats get fat. Yeah, exactly. Snitches get stitches. So even even then, you still have different frequencies or nets. You you, in a civilian context, you're calling as dispatch. Dispatch is talking to ground contacts. Ground contacts are talking back to dispatch. Dispatch is communicating to hospitals or even ground contacts are talking to the hospitals. There's there's a variety of nets. Everybody's still communicating via radio. They're not picking up their cell phone and be like, hey. What's up man? You know, I'm coming into the hospital. I'm, you know, transporting somebody who's got a a gunshot wound to the chest. No, like, no, no, no. They're they're pulling out their freaking CB radio in the in the thing yeah. and communicating.
0: I mean, this, you know, and once again it goes to just how prevalent it is in our in our country, right? In oh, Western yeah. civilization, right? I mean, hell, you know, cart pushes in Walmart have radios. You know? <laughs> like it, That's it true. they they are everywhere. You know, when you yep. think locomotives, so, you know, train conductors, when you think, you know, airliners, when you think tax, I mean, ev- everybody uses radios. Yep. So come requirements. So communication requirements for, you know, what we experienced in the military, everything was encrypted. Everything was encrypted. Yep. All of our equipment was to a point robust mm-hmm. and. You know, inherently, we had that you know
1: that of that really robust network where everything was interconnected. Um, right. Whereas, you know, if you're a civilian, you don't really have those. I mean, you can have encryption; like it's it's entirely possible to encrypt these bail things. You know, all you know if you're not listening on the right encryption, all you're going to hear is really static, some broken English. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main the main thing about civilian you know com requirements though is they got to be affordable and they have to be procurable. You, know, right. you have to be able to go on Amazon and pick up a Baofang or whatever model radio you want and be able to get that thing. Uh, you have to be able to still have robust equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you still have to be able to have... to be able to procure enough equipment for everyone to be able to talk on the same network. As, right, as you and that's to.
0: the... Yeah, and that's the big thing is you know when we were in the army, everything was issued to you, right? Yep. It was already there. Hey, your squad's using this. Mm-hmm. Blah, there you go. But... When you're outfitting yourself, you know, you'd have the best radio on the planet, but if you don't, can only buy one and then no one else has a radio, that's not useful, right? So <laughs> you need to be able to, you know, ideally procure the same radio for everyone. Um, if not, the great thing about radio is that as long as you're able to hear and transmit on the same frequency, you're good to go. You know, simplex radio, blah, do your thing. Yep, um, yep. It, I I am really proud of the community for, you know, getting more into encryption and establishing that and trying to establish that as a baseline. That's, of course, you know, a lot safer for what we're trying to do here. Um, There are a lot of requirements for that, though. You know, you can't really effectively, you know, encrypt a Beofang, at least not well, um, without really cutting down on, you know, a lot of things. You know, but if you're trying to encrypt, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to be getting into digital and, you know, setting up the software and everything involved. I'm not privy on that. I haven't explored that yet, but you know, for, we'll get there. The, yeah. I mean, we'll get there, but like you said, uh, needs to be robust because you're going to be banging around a lot. Another thing that I just thought of is, you know, we it has to be replaceable, right? So affordable and procurable, but you need to, you need to expect to break your things. Right. So if you can, yeah, exactly. Right. So last yep. little problem that we I went didn't. on, you went ahead and, <laughs> you know, broken antenna and your BAO all in one.
1: <sighs>
0: yeah. So it's great to have, you know, redundancies and, you know, secondary, tertiary, uh, you know, radios in place if you can. And then flex- flexible options for charging. So I put that down as a requirement because. You know you may not be able to come back to a wall mounted station at the end of the day and charge your yep. you know charge your radio so being able to hook your radio up to you know an inverter into a solar power you know what have you um is is definitely a requirement for for what we want to do here
1: especially if you're establishing a base camp out in the wilderness you have got to if if you can't charge your batteries on the run with like a solar panel, at least be able to come back to like your base camp where you would have a setup where you could be able to charge your batteries again with a solar panel. That is 100% a necessity because you're not going to have a you're not going to be hauling a generator out there with an extension cord to plug in a wall mounted thing to charge your stuff. Like it, logistically, it's just not feasible. Right. So definitely carry a solar charger. Which, good lord, I wish we would have been able to do that in the military, but you know we couldn't. Screw those two-day ops, right? (laughs) So along with these requirements, you may have something you may want to consider Uh, as far as equipment goes, especially with emergency comms. You're going to be looking for repeaters. Your area may actually have a bunch of repeaters already established in your area that are tuned to different frequencies that you can just piggyback on to communicate with EMS, fire, uh, police, military, what have you. Be very careful, though, when doing this, especially communicating with these organizations especially the military because you could be committing an FCC violation if you're not in an actual emergency or if you're not in a situation where you need to be talking to the military which honestly there's never really a reason for you to be doing that except if you know World War Z is happening and you know you got to get Brad Pitt down here to fight some zombies what you're saying with
0: hopping on and you know talking with these different emergency services so your lowly Beofang has 200 plus channels that you can, mm-hmm. you know, that you can, uh, program. So you can now, while we still have internet and, you know, electrical power, you can hop on the internet and you can search for frequencies for your, you know, your specific emergency frequencies in your area. Mm-hmm. So you can type in your sheriff's office, your local police department, your local fire, you know, the national weather service, you can program all these channels into your radio and that just increases your situational awareness, right? A couple just apps that I want to, uh, that I want to put out for this episode, repeater book and echo link specifically for radio. So Repeater book, you type in your zip code or your town or just your location and it'll give you a list of repeaters in your area their frequencies, their offset codes, everything. Yeah. And then echo link, I haven't utilized it yet, but the idea is echo link links repeaters together. So in theory you could, you know, your, your range could explode for how far you could communicate. Um, but. You know, just like you said, being able to utilize repairs in your area, especially if you're traveling, being able to know what repairs in the area, where they are, how strong they are, all of that uh,
1: is a huge resource. Yep. And along with that, especially in emergencies, uh, taking into consideration can you or really how can you outfit your community? We talked about that a little bit. Uh, That could be as simple as, you know, giving someone a small case, and inside of that case is a couple batteries, a bail thing that's already pre-programmed, um, a wall charger, and maybe a, a, a frequency book of like mm-hmm. frequencies in the area. Like it's it's it can be that simple. And then that... it could even be
0: more simple than that. I mean, you could go to Walmart and buy a blister pack of radios. Yeah, and and that would let you be able to communicate with your you know with your little cul de sac if you didn't want to you know leave your
1: you know leave your home. Oh yeah. Especially in like you're in my situation where you had the uh the the great freeze and I had, you know, Hurricane Ian. Like I could, I could check it in all we could check it in on all of our neighbors and not have to leave the safety of our own home. Well, and even during the hurricane, right? So
0: if you start getting crazy wind, crazy, you know, hail, rain, whatever, being able to, yep. you know, check on your neighbors while you're you know, while you're in a safe location, that's huge.
1: Also keep in keep in mind, uh, whether or not it would be uh, viable for you to be using handhelds or manpacks or mobile units in your vehicles or even your home units, so a ham radio, like what is going to best fit your situation, uh, your organization, your infrastructure, etc. Another thing you'd need to pr- probably write down would be Ares, which is what, again?
0: Yeah, sorry. So Ares is... we'll cut all these pauses here but aries is the amateur radio emergency service so it's a, a volunteer service of ham radio operators that respond to natural disasters you know for a given area and provide that network that communication that you know could could get knocked out by a natural disaster so those are guys that you know, volunteer to go and help aid in, you know, the event of hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever, and provide that basic communication for emergency service and just community members.
1: And that's not active all the time, right? That only pops up when it's
0: like emergency situations. Right, yeah. So they, so they volunteer for
1: emergency services, yes. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, with that, that leads us into TACOM. As far as considerations go, uh, you're going to want to have push to talk. So you can go a high speed as much as, you know, throat mics. Um, oh, good Lord. What were those uh, huge earmuffs? What, are you talking about like Peltors? Yeah, Peltors.
0: Oh, I would do that those 100%. Up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah. So, so Peltors or... I don't remember any other brands, but it, you know, you're bridging the gap between ear protection and you're hooking your comms up to it. Why wouldn't yeah. you? I mean, it's awesome. Those are 3M, by the way,
1: the brand. Yeah. Okay. I mean, personally, when I rolled, I rolled with just an earpiece. I rolled with an earpiece, and I had a uh, low push talk. Oh my god, a push talk mic. That was it. You know, yeah. I, I kept it simple. It was easy. I, I, I definitely
0: do. The, the Peltors are an equivalent just to cut down on what you need to carry. I had them That's fair. Yeah. I had them issued to me for a few months. I love those things. They were great. <laughs> but so you know, if you don't have any, incursion- you- yep,
1: I was gonna say, but in a civilian context, you probably wouldn't have, you might not have the funds to just go out and buy a set of Peltors cause they are fairly expensive if I remember right. Yeah, they are, but we're going into just considerations, what we would. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, as far as TATCOM goes, yeah, I, I would rock Tours, you know, at least from the perspective that you put out, to just have not have to worry about exactly what, what all you're going to have to carry extra. I mean, in my case, I would have an extra push-to-talk mic. I would have um, an actual, like, telephone-looking handset that I would carry with me just in case too, just in case all that stuff would go out, mm-hmm. I would have to drop bag, unhook my mic, unhook my earbud, and hook this thing in and hope to got it, you know, the wires weren't messed up. And just, that would be my, that would be my emergency backup for that. Um, you still also have to take into consideration you know, ear pro, which with the PelTors you negate that, but you're still going to have to, <laughs> if you're talking during a firefight, you can't really hear too much if you're close to it, and everybody's firing around you. You are not going to hear anything coming over that radio. You're gonna have to crank that sucker up loud and jam that earpiece deep in your canal, so deep. <laughs> so other considerations
0: <laughs> for for ATACOM. So uh, encryption. If you don't have encryption mm-hmm. built into your radio and you're not using like, seeing in your radio, there are you know there are ways around this, right? That you can still Communicate securely, but not having that not having that software available. So, a very easy method is utilizing encryption tables. So, having a little laminated card with, say, numeric or alphabetical, you know, rows and columns, and you know each uh, each combination equally a phrase or a letter or what have you establishing that beforehand so that when you're putting that over the net, if someone isn't in your, in your group, so anyone can listen in, they won't know what you're saying. Exactly. Right? Uh, utilizing good comsic, So utilizing call signs, Now using, never using your real names or real names over the radio. All right. Utilizing things like phase lines, TRPs or target reference points, uh, different brevity codes. So, the idea is that, and that's what we did even in the military. Even when we had encryption available and we we're using it all the time, you still use these, you know, these comsec, uh, these, tenants foundations, protections, protections, right? Yeah. Uh, in order to safeguard your you know, the information you're putting out, because you should always, you should always treat radio as if you're putting, you know, whatever you're saying out in the open.
1: You should always assume that you're being listened to. So, one hundred percent. Hundred percent, and that's yep. that's also why we encourage that you move locations between transmissions, especially if you don't have encryption. Because as we've seen in Ukraine, if you sit there and you keep keying your mic and you keep transmitting, they're going to be able to back azimuth that right onto your location. Mm-hmm. Another really
0: great way to protect yourself specifically from being direction found uh, is utilizing. Well, one, low power. You should be using the lowest power setting that you can in order to effectively communicate. That helps out a lot. You know, because if you're, you know, half a mile away from somebody and you're blasting out full power, that's not best practice, right? Because then you're putting your frequency out for everybody to see. So utilizing low power. And we want to get into this, but people like Civil Sentinel, uh, other channels that are, you know, really pushing, you know, calm knowledge using directional antennas. So not just using an omnidirectional antenna where you're blasting out 360 degrees, whoever wants to listen to you can, but utilizing a focused beam of, of, you know, signal that only if you're in that, in that, uh, what am I trying to say? Radius that, that line of sight, essentially, um, that's the only way you can hear what you're putting out. So that's a huge advantage. One, yeah, advantage to putting out the information and trying to keep that secure. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into radio usage. Uh, just good practice. So, yep. like you said earlier, the more people you have, the less people need to be talking. Don't flood the net. Yeah. Okay. So, your transmissions need to be short, they need to be concise, they need to uh, pervade the information you're trying to put out, nothing more use comsec, use opsec like everything. Only so, only necessary information goes out. So, radio usage best practice. Do establish your SOPs prior to your deployment or your radio usage. All right? Get with your group, establish what you're going to do and how you're going to do it before things happen, before you have to use your radios. Okay. Establish and utilize call signs for personnel. So, Me, this is you. Instead of using your name or my name over the radio, hey, one, this is two. Or fox, this is bear. Whatever you decide, have that in your SOPs. Utilize it. Don't stray from it. Say and communicate phase lines, target reference points, and
1: brevity codes. So this eliminates the need to actually say your location or where you're going or whatever you're going to be like if you're in a tactical situation, whatever you're gonna be attacking. Like it's it's so much easier, especially if you're communicating with other assets such as um, air assets or police or fire or whatever, if they have a copy of those TRPs and you mention, hey, we're in building 24, uh, we're moving to building 67, meet us there, they know exactly where you're going and how long it's gonna take you to get there. Exactly, so to do this, that
0: requires you to have a map and know how to use it. This requires yep. all of your guys looking at the same picture and setting up. Hey, this is building two. this is building five. This is phase line. Bravo. Sorry for brevity. A uh, phase line is a line drawn across your AO, your area of operations and saying, Hey, once we hit this line, once we pass this location, this is going to happen. So. You don't have to communicate that. So once you know that you're past a certain point, then different actions can take
1: place. Right, and you may have seen this in like movies such as Lone Survivor when they were talking about uh, passing phase line, what was it, Budweiser, or they call it Budweiser, whatever. They were talking about a phase line within their operation as they were doing their movement. They were talking like, hey, we're passing this, this is our location. So you say this and people know exactly what phase of operation you're in and what location you're at. Right. So
0: TRPs or target reference points, this is really great in, uh, in the defense. So mm-hmm. if you're set up in a, you know say in a tower or whatever point and you set up, hey, so this is TRP one. So that tree over there, TRP one, that boulder, TRP two, barn, TRP three. So if you're tracking enemies or you're searching for enemies, you can call out TRP two. And everyone knows exactly where to look, especially if you're shifting fire or conducting movements, anything like that. It breaks down time so much that exactly you can be focusing on other things, and it just makes everything really clear. You're not wondering, oh, what barn? Oh, what building? That's that was already established well before you know, well before you started. So, really excellent tool. Um, and then just brevity codes. You know, makes it it cuts down time on the net and you know, it's another layer of security. Yep. So uh one example of that. So what popular culture, uh Angel has fallen. The bird's left the nest. Any any you know, code words or code phrases that you can think of, that's a burby code. So yeah, have it blind, yeah. Right. So it's designed so that you can say something over the net. Over the net, free and clear, and you don't have to worry about
1: someone knowing what that means. Yep. And then also make sure you're utilizing encryption tables, especially for sensitive information. You don't want that stuff getting out over the net because once you do, and that's in someone else's hands, that's that's bad news bears.
0: A really great uh, reference for encryption tables, you can find it on Redbeard Tactical on IG. They have a really yep. great reference for that. Yeah. And COM Windows. So utilizing common windows when you have a breaking communication, um, setting up these SOPs, knowing that, okay, if I lose contact with my group, I know that they're going to be on the net at this, this, and this time. I know that someone's listening here so I can put out you know my you know distress call, what have you. At this time, I know someone's listening. This also allows you to be able to turn off your radio and save battery. Mm-hmm. If you know that you're that someone's going to be listening at this time. You don't have to be on the net,
1: so that's a really great tool to use. Yep. Also, make sure you're practicing good comsec. We're not going to go over this again. We've already hit this in mass. So practice good comsec. Make sure you're moving locations between your transmissions. That way, that the enemy can't key in on where you are. Mm-hmm. And assume, above all else, even if you have encryption, assume that someone is listening in. Assume that someone is listening to you. Always. Yes, always. So don't use names, don't use locations. Do not describe in detail literally anything that you're seeing. If you have to, dear God, I hope you have some form of encryption. Because if someone hears that, they know exactly, they can tell exactly where you are based on what you're seeing. And even, what if, you're even if you have encryption, always utilize ComSec.
0: ComSec is free. And even if you have the best encryption in the world, if your enemy, if your adversary has captured one of your radios, your encryption doesn't matter anymore. You're done. Yep. So always assume that someone's listening in, even if they're not. It it's free. It
1: makes you all that much more secure. So one fun thing to piggyback off of uh, what you're talking about losing a radio. If you lose a radio and somebody gets a hold of the encryption, guess what has to change? Everyone's encryption. And I don't mean in your area. I mean everyone's encryption has to be changed. like ain't no joke. Don't describe in detail what you're seeing
0: or what you're doing. Don't drop mission details. Don't give your coordinates
1: over the net. Right. Don't, don't sit there and mic. hot mic. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Don't don't be a dick. Don't hot mic. Come on. Use common sense. Don't stay on the radio for prolonged periods of time. Don't sit there and like tell your life story over the radio. And once again,
0: don't assume that no one's listening to you because you should be assuming that everyone's listening to you. So let's run into some scenario, some scenario training of what we can, you know, just applications for uh, radio usage. So specifically for emergency, comu- emergency communications, a natural disaster strikes your town or your area of operation. Your group members need to be able to communicate their status, their locations, coordinate movement and request for assistance. So what are the ranges of each member's radio? Do you have assets like, uh, man packs, like mobile units, like home stations, can your members rely on the capability of their radio or do they rely on repeaters? How long will the radio batteries last without a charge? Can your group charge the radios off the grid?
1: God, I hope so. I, I I would hope you'd have some sort of solar capability to recharge your, your, your batteries. So, so the
0: thing of a natural disaster, right? So, you know, let's say I'm out where we, let's say I'm on my land with you know my buddies, right? Natural disaster happens. We no longer have cell contact. So can I, you know, can my radio reach to my other buddy's home? Can my radio talk to his radio without me having to move? That's that's huge okay say if i'm out say if i'm out to town or i'm out in you know a field whatever and i'm away from my home if i'm away from my home station my home unit right so what does my what is my radio status then do i have multiple radios do i have a radio on me in my vehicle at my home you know do those have the same capabilities does my buddy have the same capabilities that i do so these are all things that you need to be considering, okay? So say during a local town meeting, you're given the task of equipping yourself and your neighbors with emergency communication, with equipment, SOPs, everything. Mm-hmm. What equipment are you going to suggest for the group? Yeah. How did you choose that equipment? What were your pros and cons? And what were the considerations that you that you thought of? Okay. What SOPs are you going to establish? What's going to, what SOPs going to be on the top of the list? Okay. Think of your context. Now think of your neighbors. Now, do you have elderly neighbors? Do you have, you know, political views come into play? Okay. So will your neighbors even care if you, ha- if you handed your neighbor, a gift wrap, Pelican case, with a radio, three batteries, and a laminated SOP sheet, will your neighbor even pick up that radio if it's an emergency? You
1: know, These are things to think about. So that brings us into the TACCOM consideration here. So say your team or squad is tasked with defending a civilian business during civil unrest or rioting. So how are you going to do your interpersonal team or inner, how are you gonna do your inner team or inner squad communication? Uh, taking into consideration the programming of emergency services and news channels into that so you can track the news so that you can track what's going on. Because a lot of times, if there's rioting, if you're listening to emergency services, they're going to tell you exactly where the rioting is so you know how close it is to where you were operating. Also, news channels have the eye in the sky as well. So if you're tracking those, you can see exactly, exactly what's going on and where. And how bad it is. Also, keep in mind how do, you know, your, how does your group having radios change the perception of how civilians see you? I mean, if you're if you're rolling around with with whip antennas, with cattail antennas, with you know, peltor headsets on, how are they seeing you? Like, how are you being judged? How are you being evaluated from? the standpoint of civilians. Are they going to see you as military? Are they going to see you as militia? Like, how are they seeing you? You need to keep that in mind too, because that could turn into a, Ooh, I don't want to mess with them. I don't even want to talk to them. I don't want to relay information to them. I need to get away from them as quick as possible kind of thing versus it could end up being, Hey, um, let me test my gun against these guys. You never know how the reaction is going to be. And that's definitely something you need to look into because that comes down to, Oh god, I can't remember who posted on IG, but it it came down to the the three block war. I was about to mention that.
0: Yeah, by the Nickus of nicks.
1: Yes, three. That was a great read.
0: Right. So, idea being, you and your group are patrolling down one one block, right? And all locals are friendly to you.
1: Everybody's want to do business with you. They wave. They say hi. You know. They, You're they, the corner. They feed you, you down, information.
0: Right. You go down around the corner, go down another block, and it's it's half and half. Some people wave. Some people are friendly. Others don't really interact with you. They kind of look at you sideways. Mm-hmm. Others, you know, start to kind of close their doors, go inside. You round the next corner, go down the block. All the kids are gone. People are talking on cell phones, looking in your general direction. Business close have, early. You have some shady looking characters start to gather and they might even take pot shots at you, you know, start, start something. I mean, is literally, it can be that quick. It can be, it can change that quickly from one street to another. So perception equals reality. So what do
1: you look like to the locals? Absolutely. That's a, that's a big thing. In another scenario, so say one of your team members requests a QRF support at his property. Uh, maybe writings broke out there. Maybe there's someone attempting to gain access to his property and he doesn't have the uh, the firepower to repel them or doesn't want to risk going into a firefight because his family is there. Uh, does your network have a QRF in place, a quick reaction force? So a group of people willing to jump in their car and Go at a moment's notice because QRF can be the difference between life and death. It, it is can a be the time. difference between it is It hundred percent is. And we, there's so many stories that have come out of Afghanistan about that, where QRF has saved lives and it continues to do so even today. Anyway, what are your SOPs surrounding how your QRF is organized, how your QRF deploys? Keep that in mind. Does your QRF have a pace plan to contact its members? So say you need to, say, say the call for QRF comes in, does your QRF have the capability to contact all of its members, get organized, and get them rolling at a moment's notice? What's a Minuteman?
0: The Minuteman were QRF. Yep. Right. They, so, they, they were. Yeah, so digging into the SOPs a little bit. Okay, so if you're establishing a QRF, are you establishing QRF members on a rotating schedule? So they don't get burned out. What are the, what are the careers of your members? Do any of your members travel for work? What equipment will your QRF members have at the rate that they'll actually deploy with? Is that standardized? Are you, you know, what is the overhead for that? Okay. What are the, you know, what are your leaders doing to ensure that those things are ready? You know, how do you, how do you, you know, ensure that those radios are charged? If they have radios in their pack. You know, all these things, all these things come into play. All these things. You see that a lot too.
1: I've seen a lot of videos pop up across Instagram too of like, I think they're police forces dudes rolling up in blue jeans and like polos. Maybe I've I've even seen a dude roll up with body armor and he was in khaki shorts. Like these, these guys are your QRF. Like you, you may be in a business suit and you Mm -hmm. may not have time to change. You're, you're rolling up to the scene and whatever you have on, but your equipment is staged in your place of work. If, if you can't do that, it's in your car, it's at you, your home, You could be whatever. You could be on a camping
0: trip or going fishing with your family. Yeah. I mean – And you got to go. What what do you do with your family?
1: Yeah. You that's what do you, that's like, an SOP you need to establish with your family. Yeah. I
0: mean, and then, you know, talking about gear, okay, do you have separate sets of gear for your home and for your vehicle? Or do you have only one set that you have to make sure is with you, that you or transfer. around you yep. at any one time? Okay. Mm-hmm. What if you work at a federal facility or in a hospital, you know, where you can't have, you know, quote, unquote, can't have, you know, firearms in the vicinity. Okay. A lot of the, I mean, <laughs> seriously though. I mean, these are factors that people need to be thinking of. Hot tip. Just don't tell them.
1: Keep it in your car. Yeah, but
0: I, I mean, but that is a risk. You know, that's yeah. a risk that needs to be, you know, that you need to, yeah. you know,
1: think of. Take it into consideration. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So that leads us into reconning contested territory before moving into a two member's family, you know, because they're civilians. You got to keep that in mind. They're going to be not going to be used to dealing with this kind of stuff. So if your group doesn't have encryption capabilities, how are you going to keep your comms secure? You got to be able to use encryption tables use comm windows, brevity codes, call signs, TRPs, target reference points, phase lines. You've got to be able to communicate your movement to be able to effectively and safely move these family members. Another thing you got to be able to do is conduct a presence patrol around a member's farm. So, you know, you you see that too. People wandering around, walking the fence, like they're conducting a a presence patrol. This patrol still has to be able to communicate back. If something happens, they got to be able to radio in that something's going on. They have to radio their, their last location. A lot of times they will use checkpoints around the farm to be like, okay, well I just, I just hit the Northeast corner. I hit the West corner, what have you, so that people know where they are. Another thing you may be, you may see, which has happened before, which would be setting up and maintaining a checkpoints during civil unrest. You know, people Oh, man, during the George Floyd riots were going around and just absolutely burning downtowns. What you didn't see, however, that didn't get covered in the news would be people picking up guns to defend these these businesses that they didn't want to uh, get burned down. They set up checkpoints. One thing that uh, ended up hitting Seattle was these idiots established what they like to call Chaz Chop. So it was just a community that... I can't even describe this anymore. I, I would just recommend looking it up. It was just the craziest thing. It was The idea was sound, but the execution was so poorly planned that they basically just liberated a city center and was just like, yes, this is ours now, and people can do whatever they want here. They had armed people there, and say you're stuck in this this block. You have family members there that are trapped there. How are you going to communicate with your members who have their families trapped in this area? Like you got to be able to use radios. You got to be able to establish. Uh, you got to be able to communicate the plan of how you're going to get those out. So in the case of how are you going to extract these people? Say things are getting are getting violent. You see a lot of issues happening. So what are you going to do if you're trying to extract these people? Extract this family. As far as communication goes, you're going to want to say you're going in gray, man. You're not you're not rolling a kit. You're not rolling with a plate carrier. You're rolling low key. So that may be, um, a small bag holding more ammo. That may be a small bag holding medical supplies and a weapon. So you're going to want to move as low key as possible. So if that means you're rolling pistol only, keep it hidden. You're going to want a radio. So you're going to want to be able to communicate with the rest of your team. You're going to want to be able to communicate with that family too, to let them know that they're coming in. So that comes down to having radios on hand especially with that family. So you're going to be communicating as you're going in, you're going to want to be communicating um, everything that you see. You're going to want to be notating um, enemy forces, both seen and unseen. If you have an, if you think that there's going to be an issue, say someone with a gun, um, communicate that up higher. Again, keep it concise. It would in this case be beneficial to have someone on overwatch. So, especially in the case of Chaz slash Chop, I would find a way to utilize Firescapes to get to tops of buildings if you can't get inside of buildings to get to the top and put someone up there to provide overwatch, whether that be with a long gun or just with a pair of binoculars and monitor the movement of the team to the target building and be able to monitor them and provide overwatch for them on their extraction as well. Because as much as you can plan for things to go completely right, there is a good chance that someone discovers what's going on and they want to be violent. So you have to be able to, at a moment's notice, alter the plan. And to be able to alter the plan, if you're not face-to-face with someone, you're going to need a radio. So that's what is going to be most commonly utilized to safely extract a family, especially in that situation. You're going to want to monitor them all the way out, and then your Overwatch will have to tear down and leave. Another scenario you may run into would be a team member reporting riot in the city nearest home and it's spreading to, you know, his, his neck of the woods, the suburbs. That team member member may be requesting QRF support and possible extraction. So in, in that scenario, uh, what are you going to do? Obviously you're going to have a radio cause he's, he's either calling you on a cell phone or he's calling you over the radio. Let's just assume the radio. Let's let's assume that the, the cell nets are down. So with rioting, rioting is very fluid as we've noticed, it kind of depends on the whims of those involved and where they're going to go. you got to be able to modify your plan, especially if, if these riots uh, pick up steam and they're changing direction, changing uh, speed, and moving towards his area a lot more quickly than what was previously established. You could be using a radio to monitor emergency frequencies. You could be monitoring news networks. These are going to be, if you don't have... Drone support. If you don't have overwatch in these situations, that's going to be your best bet knowing how far out, how much time you've got. If you need to pick up the pace with your team moving into that area, you need to be able to relay that to them so that they can pick up the pace and put the pedal to the metal and get there, get them out. If they're doing an extraction or otherwise just get there to show up and set up to be able to protect that area. In any of these cases, if push comes to shove and you find yourself in a firefight, you're going to be reacting to contact. Unfortunately, there is no set rule for every scenario on what's going to happen. It depends entirely on the situation. You may be moving to contact, assaulting through. You may be, um, you may be breaking contact. It entirely depends on the situation you're in. And this is going to come down to whoever's in charge, evaluating what information is being put to him and then making the decision to either, well, we're either going to harden up where we're at, we're either going to assault through and end this fight right now, or we're going, to, we're going to break contact, we're going to get out of here. It entirely depends on the situation. No two situations are exactly alike and it's going to take some critical thinking and it's going to take a lot of training because contact drills are, they're dangerous, especially when the lead's going both ways. So if you were breaking contact, you're gonna be you're gonna be bounding out, but communication is key. You know? You gotta know when one position's set so the other position can start moving. That way the the position that's set can provide overwatch for the other position as they bound back and leave the area. You're gonna be throwing smoke, uh, creating distractions. These all have to be communicated because if you start set a distraction or just set a smoke and no one else knows, they may assume that that's the enemy. As far as assaulting through, take a look at some battle drills. Um, it, it is going to be fluid, but your main thing is going to be suppressive fire um, while another team maneuvers to in the threat. They will flank the enemy and then they will call in that they are moving in on the enemy and then you'll have a shift fire. We'll talk all about this in a different episode, but we were asked what react contact would look like, and to be honest with you, it is organized chaos, and it all depends on the situation. One thing does stay the same. Communication is king. It prevents accidents. It prevents fratricide. It prevents, honestly, it, it, it just prevents casualties. Communication is the difference between everyone going home and mission success and possibly no one going home and mission failure. In any case, we use comms because the battlefield is Always changing. And I don't mean just from a firefight standpoint, although that is part of it. Um, We could be talking about medevac. We could be talking about um, reacting to natural disasters and helping your fellow man. We could be talking about just communicating even news. Like We use comms because it's the most effective form of communication when you can't be face-to-face with someone. Information needs to be relayed as quickly as possible in order for decisions to be made to affect a positive outcome. And above all things, the enemy uses comms. So should you. They use it to monitor responses to actions. They use it to recon, to coordinate assaults, adjust indirect fire. And we use it for the same. We used it in the same way in the military. With the use of comms comes the ability for the enemy to track your location. We saw this in the Ukrainian war. Um uh, Ukrainian positions were getting shelled because people stayed on the net too long. Same with Russians. This brings up, make sure you're doing check-in times. Make sure you're working comsec, OpSec. Use directional antennas to prevent your location from being seen. Have SOPs, have check-in times. Have SOPs for everything. Whether it's check-in windows, whether it's for QRF, almost everything that we did in the military, should and could be used in a civilian context, especially in tactical situations. It's, it's meant to save lives. It's not meant completely to take lives. Our main job in the military was to make sure each other came home safely. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This has been Hard Time Strong Men. We're sitting here talking uh, communications from the civilian standpoint. We're talking emergency comm and taccom.
0: You know, this will be an ongoing uh, conversation, guys main takeaways we wanted you to have were you need to set up these SOPs in advance. You need to have, you, you need to think through these things. You need to start getting prepared now. So you're not trying to do this all on the back end. There's so much to consider and there's so many great resources on, on IG and elsewhere, Red Bear Tactical, Civil Sentinel who are working with on this project. There's, there's so much information. So many people are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, but yeah, hit us up. We'll we'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. You know this is hard time, strong men. Stay in the fight. Bye, everybody.